0: So today, we are concluding this series of on Move. Uh, I know some of you are like, I thought we had a little bit longer. We did. We're calling an audible, uh, to use a football uh, terminology here. Uh, Next week, as you heard in those announcements, uh, we're going to have a football Sunday, and then we're going to shift into a short three-week series that I'll share more about next week. Uh, But I'm excited about what God uh, has in store for us following football Sunday. Uh, But today we're going to look, if you have your Bibles, uh, to Genesis chapter 22. And again, I I just want to Welcome you if you 're a guest with us so thankful that you 're here today. if you are a regular uh, we 're glad that you 're here um, and for those of you who are watching online uh, we can 't wait until you can connect with us in person we 're thankful for this technology uh, that helps us stay connected uh, when you can 't be here in person but we look forward to getting to know you um, this this series i i don 't know about you, but I have loved this idea of move uh, this idea of just Abraham and his story and and this picture uh, of a guy who trusted God and when it didn't make any sense, who who trusted God when everything visibly seemed to just not make sense to do the things God asked him to do. eh? Everything visibly said, hey, don't do this because if you do this, um, it's, it's not going to work out. It's not going to go well. And yet, he trusted God. He, he moved. God called him to step out in faith, and he did exactly what God called him to do. And, and the Bible says he's the father of faith. And biblical faith, as Abraham models for us, is not just like, I believe in God. It's not just like, I have this intellectual knowledge of God. It's I believe in God and I trust in God so much, I'm going to do what he asked me to do even when it doesn't make sense. I believe in God and I trust in God enough that I'm going to be obedient even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's not logical. But if God says do it, I'm going to do it. And And Abraham models that for us. And and he really models for us what it means to move from that place that most of us hang out in. Like when people come and ask you, hey, how you doing? What's our response? Well, after you say busy, right? Busy. Uh, But then after you say busy, it's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. How do you move from like, I'm okay to really life at its best, a, a full life, a, a life of walking in radical trust and radical faith with a living God who wants to be in relationship with us, that is a whole different, that's a whole different thing than just religion. That's a whole different thing than just checking some spiritual boxes, and well, you know, I went to church. Like, no, no that's walking with a living God in a radical faith of trust. It's, it's just a whole different ballgame, and that's where God wants us to be, and we see that modeled in the life of abraham and so um today we're going to conclude this uh, by looking at genesis 22 and uh, if, if you have bibles turn with me to genesis 22 if you have you version you can turn there in, in a device uh on you version but uh while you turn there i'll just uh, say i'll echo what you heard um in those video announcements next week is going to be amazing don't miss it um uh, uh, it's going to be a football Sunday. If you have a Crossbridge jersey and you're on the Dream Team, wear your Crossbridge jersey. If you have a favorite football team and you've got a jersey from a favorite football team, wear, I saw a Chiefs hat somewhere around here tonight, you know, wear, wear that. And if you don't care about football, just wear something, all right? It's uh, so just somewhere in that spectrum, um, you know, you do have to wear something, all right? That's, that's in there. Um, so, Genesis, but it's going to be fun. We're going to have tailgating. There'll be food. There'll be some activities for the whole family. Uh, So before church, after church, it's going to plan on coming to church and hanging out and having some fun. It'll be a great day. And I'm really looking forward to us having some fun together uh, next Sunday. You won't want to miss it. Genesis 22 though, beginning at verse one, picks up. It says, some time later, Let me just pause and say, we don't know exactly how much time later, because if you flip back one chapter, uh, chapter 21 is the birth of Isaac, this promised son. Um, And it says some time later. And you might have an idea of how much that sometime is. It's probably longer than you think. But sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountain which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. And then he chopped the wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for a place God had told him about. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further and we will worship there. And then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire. And we have the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep or where is the lamb for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep or the lamb, as many translations say, for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning, and we are thankful. For it. I want us to I want us to take a moment before we continue on. And I, I just want to invite you to pray with me. And I I want us to bow our heads and invite God to do something that I can't do in these moments. So would you would you bow your heads with me? Father, we we just invite you right now to speak to us through your Holy Spirit. I pray that somehow through your word and what I communicate in human words this morning, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. May you communicate exactly what each person needs. And more importantly, Lord, would you help us be receptive to what you want to speak? I would just invite you in these moments to say what Abraham said. Just say, here I am. Here I am, Lord, speak to me. Here I am, Lord. Will you move in me? Here I am, Lord. I'm listening. Father, thank you that you are always a God who speaks. Help us to be a people who listen. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, this is a very interesting passage. It's a, it's a passage that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. It, it might make you uncomfortable if you're new to church, um, and if you're, you're new to the Bible, this is a really weird passage. Is why, you know There's lots of questions. What, what was going on here? Why was God asking this of Abraham? Why, why would God ask for um, this terrible thing? of abraham and, and and a lot of people have a lot of answers to this um you know you you might have speculation and thoughts uh, the, the reality is um this this was not a bad pork chop that abraham ate the night before i mean this this was um this was the word of the lord to abraham very clearly and this is what i know i know that abraham knew the voice of the lord I know that. Uh, we, we know that because uh, God had made a promise to him. God had said to him, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth through you. Right? He had this promise the Lord. God had said, I'm going to give all the land of Canaan to you. God had said, I'm going to give you a son and, and that son is going to be this heir that is going to do these amazing things. And that, um, that there is going to be all of these blessings that come through him. And against all odds, against all odds, God was faithful. I mean, it didn't make any sense. Abraham at the time was 99 years old. Sarah was 89 years old when they heard the voice of the Lord, when, when the angels of the Lord came before them and said, hey, a year from now, I'm going to come back and Sarah's going to have a baby. And Sarah laughed. I mean, it was like, that's a good one, God. That, that's funny. Not going to happen. It, completely a laughable situation. Uh, and yet, I mean, Sarah hadn't had a hot flash in 30 years. Abraham was kind of at that age, this was pre-suspenders, so he was always pulling his pants up, he was watching the Weather Channel all the time and complaining about the government constantly. That's, that's just kind of the stage of life they were in and beyond that, they were not thinking about cribs, they were not thinking about babies, uh, they were getting old and God said, I'm gonna do this and suddenly an 89-year-old or 90-year-old Sarah is uh, finding herself with morning sickness finding herself craving dill pickles, finding herself uh, wearing maternity clothes and her friends are having to throw a baby shower for her. And Abraham now, when he goes to the barber shop, the guys are all punching him in the arm going, you old rascal, you know, and he's smiling. And, you know, finds himself standing at a a glass window. Not really, but finds himself at a glass window and there's a crib and, and a bassinet and his baby's in there and he's maybe standing next to another father who's, 25. And he's 100 at this time. And he elbows him. And he says, you see that one right there? That's my boy. That one right there. That's mine. I mean, it didn't make any sense. It, in fact, it was so absurd. It was so absurd that the Bible says they named him Isaac. And Isaac meant laughter. It was, it was laughable that God could take a 100-year-old Abraham and an 89, 90-year-old Sarah and that God could bring life where there was no life. The whole thing was improbable. The whole thing was funny. And yet God had said, I will do this. And Abraham saw the faithfulness of God. And he saw the promise of God coming true. And he didn't just know the voice of God. He knew a command of God when he heard it. What's interesting about this particular command of God is it mirrors the command of God 50 years earlier when God said to him that he was to, and it was the same words, that he was to go forth, that he was to leave his country. He was to leave his clan. He was to leave his family. He was to, to leave all the things that he knew, and he was to go to a place that God would show him. Remember that? When he was in Haran, that was the call of God. This is the same exact call in Genesis 22, verse 2. He says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go to sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So it was, hey, I want you to leave, and I want you to go to a place that I We'll show you. And, and the, the big difference here is that the first time when he left Haran, he was to leave his security. He was to leave the things that were his comfort zone. He was, he was to leave the things that the clan and the family, all the things that made him comfortable and secure. He was to leave those things and trust God. And this time, the call was, I want you to sacrifice and I want you to be willing to let go and I want you to trust me with the very blessings that I have given you. So it's different. The, the first time was I want you to leave what makes you feel secure. The second time was I want you to be willing to sacrifice the things that are the good things that I've even blessed you with. And I, I, just, I just wonder where we're at on that. I, I wonder which one of those you struggle with more. If there's things that you're holding on to because they make you secure, if there's things you hold on to because they make you feel safe, and you're just like, God, I can't trust you with those things that I can't let go of that. Or if there's just some good things that God has blessed you with that you're just like, God, I'm enjoying this gift so much. I can't, I can't give it back to you and trust you with that gift. I, it's just too good for me to trust you with. And, and I don't know what side of that perspective you're on or if it's both of them or if it's neither of them. But, but it's a tough thing to trust God when God says go, but Abraham knew the voice of the Lord. He knew a command when he heard it because he'd heard it 50 years before and he was faithful and God had been good and true to him. And so what's interesting is when he says to him, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love so much. I said this to you a couple months ago that that was the first time in the Bible in Genesis chapter 22, the first time that the word love appears in the Bible is right there. Take your son, whom you love so much. The very first time in the Bible that the word love shows up and every phrase in this command of God is just like a knife. I mean, it's, it's take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and offer him as a burnt offering. I mean, just the magnitude of this request of God. Abraham lived as a pilgrim in Canaan and this was a, it was a place where um, there were so many Canaanite lowercase g gods. And the priests of these Canaanite gods uh, would demand that the Canaanites sacrifice their children to the gods. Um, and, and this was a common practice in Canaan. Um, it, it was, it was uh, widely accepted. But Abraham knew that Yahweh, the one true living God, was not like these gods of the Canaanites. He knew that God was different. He knew that the one true God would, would never ask him to sacrifice the promise that he had given him. And, and yet, that's what God was asking him to do. And his response was, yes, Lord. And, and he didn't understand the foreshadowing that was gonna happen. This, what, what, what's interesting is um, if you're new to the Bible and you're, you're new to church, you need to know that nowhere else in the Bible is, is one of God's people asked to sacrifice a, a child. And by the end of this story, it becomes clear that God doesn't want that uh, from his children. Uh, but it foreshadows a sacrifice that would come later a sacrifice that God wasn't asking of his followers, but that God was willing to make for his followers. And and what is so interesting in this story is, is it foreshadows the, the greatest story that's ever told. That's in Calvary, outside of Jerusalem, where God sent his son to be sacrificed on behalf of all of us. The first words that the first time the word love shows up in the New Testament is Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, where it says this, in a voice, this is at Jesus' baptism, and a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So it's a, a significant point of this story is that God didn't want Abraham to actually sacrifice. Isaac. And yet he wanted to know if he was willing. He wanted to know if he was willing to do this. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once said this, I cannot imagine a greater test than that which the Lord applied to Abraham. The Jews usually say that Abraham was tried 10 times. Surely on this occasion, he was tried 10 times in one. So this had to seem like this strange request. God, why would you want me to sacrifice the son that was the promise that you gave me? And, and one of the things that this teaches us is Abraham had to learn the difference between trusting the promise and trusting the promiser. And sometimes you have to decide, am I going to trust in the promise or am I going to trust in the one who gave the promise? And, and in your notes, you'll see uh, this line, trust the promiser no matter what, and the promise will be taken care of. Trust the promiser. And the promise will take care of itself. Sometimes we get so busy trusting in the promises of God that we forget that the promiser is the one that we're putting our trust in. And, and it's not the promises, it's the promiser. And if we will trust in the promiser, the promises will take care of themselves and they will work themselves out. And, and so this isn't to say for Abraham it was easy. Um, I imagine, I don't, I don't know, the Bible did not tell us, I imagine this was a really hard night for him. I imagine he tossed and turned. It might have been, it, scripture says that he got up early in the morning, like it was you know, first thing. Um, it it might have been that he got up early in the morning because he had a sleepless night. And he spent all night tossing and turning thinking about this. And finally he was just like, I'm just gonna get out of bed. Um, and I'm just gonna get this donkey ready. And I love that he didn't wait, he didn't wrestle with this, he just acted. He said, I know God has said this. I There are just moments where you know that you know that you know that God has spoken. And when God speaks, don't delay. Respond immediately. That's what we see here in this passage. And so um, if if God was calling him to sacrifice his son Isaac, Abraham just thought, I guess he's going to raise him from the dead because clearly he was supposed to be this promise and God would never ask me to do that. And so I guess he's going to raise for that. You say, well, why do you say that, Pastor Brad? Well, it's right here in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. It says this, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. There's just this picture of Abraham saying, I don't know how you're going to do this, God, but I'm going to trust you. He hadn't seen anybody raised from the dead uh, to our knowledge, there had been nobody before this moment who had been raised to life. He didn't know about the story of Lazarus. We go, yeah, we know Jesus raised Lazarus from the tomb. He, he didn't know about the story of the little girl in Capernaum where Jesus wrote, brought her back to life. He didn't know that the Son of God, Jesus Himself, would would be dead in a tomb for three days and come out of the tomb and rise from the grave. He didn't know any of those things we don't know of any account of anyone being raised from the dead before this. And yet Abraham thought, well, I guess that's the only thing that I can think God's going to do because God wouldn't ask me to do this. Because he says, even in verse five, we will go worship and we will come back. He just had a confidence that God was going to provide and take care of. He knew God was dependable. If there was nothing else, He knew God was dependable. So the text says, early the next morning, I mean, right at it, early the next morning, he got up, uh, he didn't sit around for a week thinking about it, he did it. And Abraham's obedience really shows us that he trusted God even when he didn't feel like it. Um, Here's the thing, this is biblical faith. I'm going to do what God tells me to do, even though I don't feel like it. Man, that's hard. That's hard. That's hard. I, I was uh, just talking to somebody this week about uh, forgiveness. And, and forgiveness is one of those things that um, we never feel like forgiving people. Like it, it's hurtful, it's painful. I, I don't feel like it, but God says you're supposed to do it. So we act in obedience and we do what God tells us to do, and we are obedient and our feelings follow our choice. But obedience is a choice. And what we see in Scripture is Abraham modeling for us being obedient even when he didn't feel like it. That he was walking by faith, not by feelings. Nowhere in this passage does it say this is how Abraham felt. You know why? Because it didn't matter how he felt. He was being obedient. He probably didn't feel like doing this. I'm just, in, in his human humanity, he didn't feel like this. Uh, but he was obedient even when he didn't feel like it. He said, here I am, Lord. I'm right here, right now, ready to obey you. And he began the journey. And he traveled for three days. It's a three-day journey. Uh, That's a long time. Um, I I tell you guys probably too many stories about hiking on the Appalachian Trail. You probably get tired of it. But I, there's so many things in in Scripture that I'm like, man, this just makes me think. Um, The thing about hiking on the Appalachian Trail, the reason I like to do it is... um, it's it's just, there's so many things that I learn as I'm hiking up a mountain with a 40-pound pack on my back. Um, and one of the things I learn is... Apparently, I like to be miserable a few times uh, a, a year uh, because sometimes I'm hiking and I'm like, why am I doing this? I could be in air conditioning right now. It's kind of raining, it's, it's humid, and, and you're kind of spread out from the people. Um, uh, you know, a friend of mine says the reason you hike is so that you can be happy when you're not hiking. Um, and maybe there's some truth in that. I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm hiking, I'm trudging, and I'm just trudging along, and, and I'm, I'm thinking. And as I hike, I'm thinking and I'm thinking, and I'm just... I wonder, for Abraham, what those three days were like. Because God had pretty much declared his son dead when he said, I need you to sacrifice your son. At that moment, he was as good as dead. And for three days, for three days, he kept being obedient, one foot after the other. One step out, this was not a quick decision. It was was the long haul of obedience step after step after step. And then he comes to this place called the area of Moriah. I want you to see on the map where that is. Um, You can see there's a, in the middle of the screen there, uh, there's the Salt Sea. uh, And to the left, right at the top of that Salt Sea, you'll see a purple line. And it goes from Hebron down south up to Moriah. And what you'll notice there is that if you went today to the area of Moriah, what you would find is a city on a hill called Jerusalem. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse one, it says this, so Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. So when Isaac and Abraham begin to approach the mountain, he tells the young men that are with him, he says, hey, listen, stay back. Isaac and I are going to go from here alone to worship. And in verse 6, he says, Abraham placed the wood of the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. And while he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. It's a significant thing that he put the wood on the shoulders of Isaac, the sacrifice it 's a, it's a significant thing that the very wood that he was to be sacrificed on was what he carried on his shoulders up that mountain and and i don 't know if you 've ever carried like a, like if you 've ever gone to Publix and bought a bundle of firewood um, are you with me but anybody do that bundle of firewood raise your hand let me see all right okay. The rest of you should have a fire one day it 's great it 's a great experience. Um, I don't know if you ever bought a bundle of firewood and and, you you pick it up, it's kind of heavy. You would need a lot of that to have a burnt offering to completely say, that's a lot of weight. It's it's much more weight than you would anticipate. And and whatever age you have in your mind of how old Isaac is, he's probably much older than what you anticipated for him to carry that weight up this mountain. Um, And so he carries it to the top and he carries it up this hill of sacrifice, and the two of them go together, Scripture says. Um, and, and when it, it says it twice. In verse 6 and verse 8, it says they went together. The two went together. And what this means is that Isaac was walking willingly with his father, that they together were walking. It was a willing sacrifice that he was making. And when Isaac asks where the sacrifice is, Abraham responds, my son, God himself will provide the lamb. And the question that Isaac asked really was asked throughout history after this. It was asked by Isaac. It was asked by Moses. It was asked by David. It was asked by Isaiah. Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? And And then the time of John the Baptist, we see this passage in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. At this time, Abraham didn't know any of that. He just knew that God was going to somehow raise Isaac from the dead if he were to sacrifice him. And, and he was going to trust God all the way through. He didn't know how God was going to fulfill his promise, but he wasn't going to stop trusting God. This is so important. He was not going to stop trusting God just because he didn't know God was gonna fulfill, how God was going to fulfill the promise. Say that again. He didn't stop trusting God just because he didn't know how God was going to fulfill the promise. He just said, I know he's going to. I know he's faithful, I know he's dependable, and I'm going to trust him no matter what. And we pick back up at verse nine. If you get your Bibles, open them back up. Genesis chapter 22, verse nine. And this is kind of the, the ending of the story. It says, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it, and then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God, and you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son, and then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. And he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yara," which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And in this powerful passage, Isaac willingly lays down on the altar He willingly lays down. And Abraham at this point is more than 100 years old, uh, probably much older than 100 years old. And Isaac is a young man who is well able to defend himself and to to not climb. It was a willing sacrifice of Isaac. Um, When when we remember Abraham's faith in this story, let's not look over Isaac's faith. When we, we remember Abraham's great faith, let's not just gloss over Isaac's faith. He, most Jewish commentators believe that Isaac was in his 30s at this time. So most of us, if you're like me, you have a picture of a 12-year-old Isaac. You have a picture of a 15-year-old Isaac, maybe a 10-year-old Isaac. Uh, most Jewish commentators believe he was in his 20s or 30s. Uh, this is what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, the younger man, speaking of Isaac here, perhaps 25, so Josephus thinks. Josephus was one of the uh, uh, significant uh, historians of the Jewish people, uh, possibly 33 years of age, and if so, very manifestly the type of Christ who was about that age when he came to die. So uh, God takes this will to give up his son and says, hey, I don't need you to do it. I just wanted to know you were willing. And he doesn't, he doesn't require him to do it. He just wanted to know, were you willing to do it? Um, and God shows him clearly he does not want his children to sacrifice their kids. That, that's not what he wants of his people. But God saw Abraham displaying a willingness to give up what was most dear to him. And in response, God is willing to give up what is most dear to him, his son, Jesus, on behalf of us. And and we see this so clearly in John 3.16, where it says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 goes on and says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So Abraham, I love, the, I love this name, and, and we're, we're gonna close with this. Abraham calls the place God will provide. God will provide. He didn't name it Mount of Trial, he did, that's probably what I would have named it. You know, He didn't name it Mount of Test. He didn't name it Mount of Agony or Mount of Obed. He named it God will provide, that God is the provider. And what's interesting is he didn't know what would happen thousands of years later. He didn't know that God truly would make that mountain's name, God will provide, a, a true statement all the way around, but, but not knowing what would happen in, in the future Isaac's life was a picture of what Jesus would do for us. Both Isaac and Jesus were loved by their father. The first time the word love shows up in the Old Testament, the first time the word love shows up in the New Testament, both of them offered their lives willingly. Isaac willingly laid down on the wood. Jesus willingly laid down his life. Both carried the wood up the hill of their sacrifice. Isaac carried the wood on his back. Jesus carried a wooden cross on his shoulders. Both were sacrificed on the same mountain. I mean, think about that. We, we don't know exactly where Isaac was sacrificed, and we don't know exactly um, if it was the same spot, but it very well could have been, and it was the same mountain. And both of them were delivered on the third day. Jesus delivered from death in his resurrection and Isaac delivered on the third day of the journey when he didn't have to sacrifice his son. The parallels of this are so powerful. Here's here's what I know. Before we sing another song, I know that our God is still speaking and I know he's still calling us to trust him. And I don't know where that is for you, I don't know what it is that he's calling you to trust, but there, there's something that God is saying to you. I need you to, there, there's something you're holding on to and you're saying, I, I just can't trust you with this, God. This is so hard. This is so hard. I can't trust you with this. And God says, if you want to move to that life at its best place, you're going to have to trust me You're going to have to let go of that security blanket of whatever it is. And you're going to have to trust me more than that security blanket. Or it could be that there's just some really good things in your life and you're just enjoying those blessings and you're enjoying the goodness of those things. And you're like, yeah, but it's so good, God. I'm just not sure I'm willing to trust you with that because it's so good. I don't know where it is, but I know this. I know that the God who spoke to Abraham is still speaking to us. And I know that he's still calling us to obedience. And I know it's still hard. And if you want to know, how do you know that's hard, Pastor Brad? Because he still asks me to do stuff that's hard. And I have to keep saying, yes, Lord. So here's, here's what I want us to do today. I, I want to pray for us. And we're going to sing this song, The Goodness of God. And as we sing about the goodness of God, I just want you to be able to say, God, I'm going to trust you. And I don't know what that might mean for you. Maybe that means coming to the altar to pray. Maybe that means just being where you are, just saying, I I surrender this to you, Lord. Whatever it is, don't delay. Respond immediately. Be like Abraham. All right, let me pray for us. Father, you, you you know exactly what every single person in this room, what every single person online needs to surrender, needs to trust you with, Lord. As we think of what it means to be a people of faith, be a people of belief, Lord, we're so thankful for the life of Abraham that reminds us that belief isn't just head knowledge. It is doing the things you call us to do even when it's hard, doing the things you call us to do even when we don't feel like it, doing the things you call us to do even when it doesn't make sense, doing the things that you call us to do even when it's laughable. Today, Lord, give us the courage to respond to you in obedience, to not just see something in Abraham's life, but Lord, to hear your call to us, whatever it is your Holy Spirit is putting on our hearts, that today we would say, God, I trust you. I'm going to put my hope and I'm going to put my trust in you and I'm going to be obedient no matter what. Lord, we'll give you the praise when you help us in this way. And we ask it in Jesus' name.